It's a very special episode of the 11th Dubcast. Uh, Johnny, regrettably, is not here. I'm, I'm your host, George, and with me. Although the bad news is Johnny isn't here, the good news is we've got a very special guest. I shouldn't even call him a guest because none of this... This brand, 11 Warriors, doesn't run without him. We have the illustrious Dan Hope, the deputy editor. He prefers Mr. Editor, but I, I get to call him Deputy Dan. Mr. Dan, how are, how are, how are you, sir? I'm thrilled. To oh, have I'm you. doing well. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Thanks for that wonderful intro. You deserve it, sir. We, uh, you, you, are the, you, you are our overseer, our handler around here. We would all be a bunch of reckless, wild, uh, aimless writers without you being the guiding hand. I keep everybody in line. You, you try. You try. You do your best. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, even when we're not dealing with the writers, we, you know, love, uh, having you and, uh, Griffin and Johnny in an audio format. So it's, uh, it's, it's always uh, a pleasure to have you. I know you're, uh, you're a regular on real pod Wednesdays and you've been uh, very dedicated to that of late. So to, uh, you know, for you to fill in on such short notice, we're quite appreciative, especially in, uh, such a, a, a wild time in the off season, uh, for Ohio state and the big 10, Obviously, we're coming off the heels of the uh, wild scandal in Chicago last week with Northwestern football. And uh, unfortunately, within the last 24 hours, we've uh, gotten news of uh, Carnell Tate's mother has also uh, passed away, uh, unfortunately, and in what is being referred to as a drive-by shooting, I believe. Uh, so we did want to make sure uh, before we get into any other topics today that we... Uh, Fair condolences to the Tate family uh, while they're grieving at this time. And uh, rest in peace to Carnell Tate's mother. Uh, you know, it's a very tragic loss. And we've, we've already seen a lot of the team uh, reaching out and offering their support as well to Carnell. Uh, so as they prepare to go into uh, the, the preparations for, for camp heading into the season, uh, we know a lot of them are going to be going in with a heavy heart. And uh, we want to wish them all the best. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, a lot of a lot of challenges like that. But Ohio State had to deal with this offseason. You know, nothing in terms of scandals or anything. But you know, obviously, Carnell was such a tragic loss of his mother. You think of an Avery Henry situation, what he's been dealing with since last December in terms of battling cancer. Uh, you think of a Zach Herbstreit situation that popped up recently, where he's now away from a team dealing with a health issue. There's been a lot of those type of things that uh, you know are not necessarily related to football that, that this team has had to deal with. And I think these are the kind of things that really test and strengthen your brotherhood as a team. When you hear Ohio State talk about that brotherhood, the, these are the moments when that brotherhood is so important. And I have no doubt that Ohio State's coaches and players and everybody involved in the program is, are going to do everything they can to support Carnell and, and help him through what has to be uh, just an absolutely gut-wrenching time for him. I believe, if not last year, uh, Guy Scott Jr. also lost a, a parent um, during the season or perhaps along the same timeline. So I, there, certainly he's he's got a great support system available in terms of people that have been through similar experiences and are still trying to, you know, walk the same path that he is um, in terms of, you know, providing guidance of how to get through the grieving process. So he's obviously... Um, you know, Carnell, we're thinking of you and uh, rest in peace to your mother. And we're thinking of you and your family at this time. Um, as Dan alluded to, it fortunately hasn't been uh, a big season of controversy, off season of controversy, if you want to call it that for Ohio State football. However, the first topic we did want to get into today in depth was the recently self-reported NCAA violations, violations that Ohio State uh, went uh, went over a bit last week. Um, I believe I, Chase was going to fill in for uh, Johnny this week. Chase Brown, not the uh, former running back for Illinois, but our illustrious producer here on the beat. And I was looking forward to talking to him about this because he he covered it more directly in depth. But while there's nothing super egregious, I think, in terms of you know nothing of the uh, the tattoo variety, shall we say? Uh, you know, certainly some. Some things I think that, you know, merit going over here a little bit, just relative to NCAA rules. Um, one of the things that uh, stood out to me was that they were they were adamant about, you know, getting out in front of this and showing what was going on. Um, but they they were clear in terms of 
saying that when they were making contact with uh, the recruit, uh, that they they didn't do it on campus, and that you know they 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 recognized that they went out technically outside of the jurisdiction, and they were very forward in reporting that, which is something that when we um, compare this to other violations and how the NCAA has handled them later on in the show today, I, I want to be able to step back to that. But Dan, uh, I think you've probably uh, marinated on this a little bit more and closely in depth than I have. So you know, relative to what I just said in terms of my perspective on if this is a big deal or not, I'm, I'm curious if you're, you know, you've got similar takeaways or if you're, you know, worried, maybe there's, there's smoke, there's fire or what's going on here. No, I, I think this is a, a big nothing burger. I mean, every, this happens everywhere. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that anytime the words NCA violations pop up in a headline, it, it makes people react. But uh, I mean, this happens every year. It, it's no big deal. I mean, it's it's very minor rule violations that were caught by Ohio State or someone related to Ohio State, but Ohio State then reported they took their self-imposed sanctions or that be, you know, a few less texts to a recruit or 30 minutes less of practice time or something, and they, they do that and they move on. And so uh, I, I think it's it's very much a nothing burger in the sense of this happens everywhere. It happens every year. Uh, obviously, you know, Ohio State would like to have zero violations, but we're not talking about anything here that is going to have any long-term ramifications whatsoever. Certainly not for the football program. I do want to point out in terms of that kind of, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to go as far as you, but given you're, you know, you've got far more credibility in the space than myself for you to go as far as to proclaim it a nothing burger, I think. Uh, lends into it. the next thing I want to highlight with this story, which is the uh, what they said relative to the men's basketball team, the the violation they reported related to a non-coaching staff member stopping by his former high school over Thanksgiving break and briefly greeting his former coach at the uh, current team practice. So they, in terms of breaching the line between off campus, like crossing off campus and going into the the realm of you know amateurism in, in high school they they seem like they're really really like going out of their way to find every instance of where they did that even in cases where it's something as innocent as someone trying to go to their alma mater do you do you respect that or it, like it is like it it seems Interesting relative to other self-reportings we see. I don't. I don't. I feel like maybe other schools don't go as far out of their way to highlight things like this that are seemingly innocent. So I'm curious if that's a pattern that maybe you've noticed with other schools that report, or if this really is just like you know, as you said, a nothing burger. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, you know, I mean, I think there's always kind of been a perception dating back to. Tattoo Gate really that Ohio State maybe sometimes plays with the NCAA more than it needs to. That I'm sure there are lots of things that happen at all schools that never get reported, and so some of these you you look at them and go like, like why did they like? I think my favorite one was I think it was the women's gymnastics team. I think they got sanctioned because that they had like posters and. The, the limited size on the posters is like eight and a half by 11. And they were like, you know, 12 by something. So they had to like report that as an NSA violation because the posters were slightly too large. Like, I mean, that, that's just kind of like the NSA in a nutshell right there. But like, it's a violation because your, your posters were a little too, too big. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there's always kind of been that, you know, feeling that maybe sometimes the Ohio, Ohio State plays ball with the NSA a little too much. But then again, I know we're going to talk about the Tennessee situation coming up. If you read through the report that the infractions committee put out on Tennessee, one of the reasons that they cited for Tennessee not getting a postseason ban was, I believe the phrase was exemplary cooperation. Oh, I was going to go over that in big detail. Investigation. Yeah, I figured you would. But, uh, you know, I guess just to that point, I mean, the NCAA is – they have now, again, they have not been consistent with that over the years. So how much that is going to continue to play into future decisions, we will see. But 
the NCAA is, is at least right now trying to say that, hey, if you if you realize you screwed up and you cooperate with us, we're going to be more lenient on you. And I think that's the tact that Ohio State has always tried to take. It hasn't always worked in their favor. But, I mean, you saw even with the NIL stuff that, you know, I think I think Ohio State now, you know, two years in has kind of taken the shackles off on NIL and realized, like, we got to play ball. If we, if, we don't, if we don't start playing ball on NIL, we're going to keep losing recruits. But they were very hesitant to do that at first because – and it was a lot of, well, we don't know what the NCAA rules are. Whereas you had a lot of schools in the South that are saying, we don't know what the NCAA rules are, so we don't care. And I think Ohio State kind of took it as like, well, let's wait until we know what the rules are. And I think they kind of realized that they they had to kind of take those shackles off and start playing ball uh, because the NCAA hasn't shown that it has any teeth in that regard. Yeah, no, I think that's good perspective, uh, you know, taking it as far back as Tattoo Gate in terms of them trying to illustrate transparency. I think it's easy for us to forget that, you know, less than a decade and a half ago, they weren't exactly in the uh, good graces of the governing body of the sport. So it's uh, it's certainly good to see that kind of, even if it can be kind of viewed as over-representation, um, it really should just be interpreted as transparency, although... I'd be curious to know if the women's gymnastic team has any longstanding beef with Ohio State's uh, shop class, given the irregular poster sizes. <laughs> However, uh, moving on, as Dan once again very sharply alluded to, the next topic I did want to speak on, tying into NCAA violations, uh, is the recent. Are we are we calling it uh, a, the the conclusion of the, the the Jeremy Pruitt drama at Tennessee? Would you say this is uh, the the end of it, the satisfactory conclusion for all parties involved? Yeah, I would say it is. I mean, as far as Tennessee's concerned, this is the end of it. I mean, for in Jeremy Pruitt's case, he's got a six-year show cause, so it, it, this will restrict his ability to get back into college football should he so desire to do so. But I think in uh, Tennessee's case, the the investigation is now over, and you know they've uh, received their penalties. They've got some uh, hefty fines to pay over the next couple of years, and they're going to be uh, limited in terms of scholarships and uh, some of the other recruiting things they're able to do. Like I know there's like, I think it's like 10 total home games over the next five years or something. They can't host official visitors or unofficial visitors, uh, things like that. Some sanctions they're going to have to deal with here over the next several years. But, you know, obviously I think the big question a lot of people had was, was Tennessee going to face a postseason ban as a result of the investigation? And, the NCAA instead basically decided to find them the equivalent of what a two-year postseason ban would be. And basically uh, citing the uh, new constitution that the NCAA passed last year in which they don't want penalties to affect the current players that had nothing to do with the scandal that actually took place. And, and look, this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion with Ohio state fans, Uh-oh. but I, I, I agree with that because I've never been a big fan of this idea that you penalize the players who are playing for the team now for things that happened that didn't, involved them like I mean even just going back to Penn State like as horrible as that whole situation was why were the players being punished for something that they had nothing to do with and so I've never been a big fan of this whole idea of postseason bans because I think you ultimately punish the players more than you punish anyone else I think in this case you're still punishing the school here because you're basically saying you can go to the postseason for the next couple of years, but you can't benefit from it financially. And so I I think it's fair what they're doing. I also understand why Ohio State fans probably don't like it, why Penn State fans probably don't like it, why USC fans probably don't like it, because uh, they had to serve penalties that Tennessee will not. But I, 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 I 
like the fact and hope that we're continuing to move in the direction of not giving teams postseason bans to punish players who were not involved in the actual violations. Dan is getting reckless on the dub cast because he knows the people that usually scrutinize his opinions are all going to be expecting his 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 warmer takes on on real pod Wednesdays so he can just unleash on this show. But uh, no, I, I I think that's a very uh, you know it's like I said when you I appreciated you bringing it back to Tattoo Gate for you know the context of Ohio State fans in terms of the the kind of over reporting. And I think that that's important context to have here relative to the reaction to this story. It is amusing to me that if you go on the NCAA website, there is a 2,500 word release from the governing body of college football about the 18 level one violations that Tennessee committed in three years and that they got off effectively because of what you alluded to as and what is explicitly referred to in the release in, a, in its own section as exemplary cooperation. Now, I can totally on, empathize with Ohio State fans that would look at that and say, did we not exemplary, exemplarily, Lee? Uh, I don't know. Uh, forgive me, Mr. Editor. Uh, did we not cooperate in exemplary fashion in 2010 in terms of saying what what went on here and you know making Trestle walk and all that, and you know seeing what really happened there relative to the current infrastructure in college football and saying like, oh, we got raked over the coals. And I, the reason I bring that up is because. I know that is a popular sentiment among fans that do not like Ohio State because I happen to know, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of Buckeye fans were laughing at the downfall of Northwestern last week because that is a popular opinion among Big Ten fan bases that don't like Ohio State that there was an egregious wrongdoing committed in 2010 and that it's very, it was very, very justified and and the right thing that Jim Trestle was not allowed to coach at Ohio State anymore. And then, you know, fast forward. I, I wonder if, you know, you could illustrate to people that held that sentiment uh, 10, 15 years ago, the current landscape of college football and how it is more beneficial to uh, the players' earning potential and, you know, just them kind of being able to build their own brands for, you know, their next stage of their athletic careers or wherever life takes them afterwards, you would have to think that if you're in this for the players, that's something that you would want. So just I can totally sympathize with why Ohio State fans would be upset with this. And I do agree with you that, you know, if you're really, really in the, invested in this sport for the right reasons, then you're you're okay with, um, you know, not taking away opportunities from players in the form of things like postseason bans. But, I mean, the, the giving players bags of money in McDonald's, I mean, that's just so funny. And then they just don't get punished for it. I mean, it's like, come on, what are we really doing here, you know? I totally understand why fans of Ohio State or other teams would would think Tennessee should be banned from a postseason or would want them to be like, I totally understand that side of it. And I don't blame any fan base for feeling that way. realistically, uh, how much money do you think you can fit in a Kaniac? Total, total, totally off topic. Oh man. I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I mean, you know, hundred dollar bills aren't that big. Like, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you could get you could get quite a bit in there, man. Oh man, I haven't had one in so long. There's no canes in Miami. I I, I miss <laughs> it. So I miss it dearly. That was my go-to when I was at Ohio State. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, volunteers, you got away with one, Smokey. One one day you'll. You, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you red-handed, but for now you're okay. I do I do wonder if anything similar is going to emerge to light um, out of any other SEC schools or if a, uh, a precedent of sorts has been kind of set here in terms of 
you know, as long as you don't go above 20 NCAA level one violations, you know, well, as long as you cooperate in exemplary fashion, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Um, but you know, it is what it is. We, we try not to, you know, harp on it too much. The next story I want to get into, uh, is something that Johnny and I touched on a bit last week. Um, it is the concept of these crowd outs at Ohio State, if you will. Uh, there was a Scarlet out that was uh, announced last week, which Johnny asked the question, you know, doesn't everyone wear red to an Ohio State game anyway? And to Johnny's point, if you watch the promotional teaser for the uh, out that was released this week, it is a gray out. And the, the videographer, videographers at, you know, Ohio State Social Media, to give them credit, they, they you know, make, they do nice work. Um, so they did show the stadium, the horseshoe, in a full gray out. But prior to the graying out of the stadium, uh, the, the regular unedited shot of the stadium was effectively everybody wearing red. So it does, it does seem that Johnny's hypothesis was correct that, Everybody just kind of wears red to the stadium anyway, so what is the point of having a scarlet out? I do think a gray out, I don't know if I've ever seen an entire, maybe for the Army-Navy game for some reason, I think I've seen like an entire stadium just be gray. You would think it wouldn't look that cool because it just kind of be the, the backdrop of the bleachers, the same color, but I'm after seeing the edit on the the promotional trailer that Ohio state did. I'm, I'm intrigued to see it, but I was also of the opinion that announcing these months in advance completely removes the enthusiasm for the event, as opposed to announcing it the week of and, and drumming up excitement on campus among the student body. So I'm, I'm curious what your general thoughts are, Dan, relative to, you know, what Johnny and I kind of expressed last week. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what to think of a gray out. Like you said, I don't know that I've ever really seen one. Like you're saying you're neutral on the gray out. <laughs> gray is kind of a neutral color, isn't it? I mean, I guess I'm, I, I don't know like what to think. Like it's going to be a night game. Like are people really going to be able to tell that it's a gray out. They're just going to look like a blackout. Like, I mean, like, and like you said, I mean, we've seen it when Ohio State tried to do it before, like with the black or they will, if you call it a blackout, they will, they will let you know, no, it's wear black because they don't, they don't want to be seen as promoting a blackout. But uh, it, as you, to your point, when they've done that before, you still see a ton of scarlet in the stands because that's just what like people wear. Like they have their scarlet jerseys. They, they wear those. I mean, there's, there's not that much like gray apparel because this is going to be only the second time that Ohio state has worn gray jerseys in a game. So most people, they've got their scarlet jerseys, their white jerseys. Now I'd imagine to your, your question about why announce it months in advance, you'd have to imagine that this full reveal is coming soon and that they're then going to start selling the gray jerseys in hopes of selling those in advance of a game. So I'd have to think that's probably part of it is Nike wanting to roll this out soon so that they can start selling the gray jerseys in advance of a season. I, w- I would think, I don't know that for sure, but I would think, but you see what like Penn state does with the whiteout and like everybody kind of wants that, but I, I don't know if we're ever going to see it at Ohio state where it's, it's quite the same. Like, I, I mean, I think it's fun to try to do different things to get people hyped up. And I think, you know, I think Ohio state, I mean, you know, when Gene Smith was on real pod Wednesdays a few weeks ago, I mean, he made it clear that they have some concerns about this idea of a home night game in November. And so there could be trying to drum things up a little bit more for that game because they're a little worried about, Hey, if it's November and it's cold, are people just not going to want to come? To, to a night game do they want to give people like another reason to go to that game that that might be a factor in it too i i do want to point the the last game i ever saw at ohio stadium as a student was the uh infamous michigan state game in 2015 uh and that game i think was a 330 kickoff and most of it was played in darkness. And I'm not just saying that because of the, the grim outcome. Uh, so when you're playing afternoon kickoffs in the Big Ten in November anyway in Columbus, it's effectively going to be a night game anyway. So I would hope that people aren't dissuaded by that thought because, I mean, you you live in the Midwest. It's November. It's football weather. You know what you signed up for. 
I do think that you are on the money, though, quite literally in terms of the reasoning for why this is happening so far in advance. And tragically, this is not something that we've had to as immediately bring to consideration in the decision-making process of this sport before. But as you alluded to in earlier in the show, with Ohio State wanting to be more by the book in what I've uh, routinely referred to as a Wild West moment for college football relative to NIL, uh, you have people or schools and institutions that have been more willing to go out and seek manifest destiny, if you want to call it that, out in the West and go get what they believe is theirs, while the uh, the boundaries and jurisdictions around it are a little bit vague. You know, there's the, the arms of the law don't quite extend out there. So I think that while we're still in that gray period, um, it's it's thinking about the ways that decisions are made in what has been for most of my life, and I'm sure for many other fans, an amateur sport and an amateur experience, you really have to start thinking about the financial incentives more immediately going forward in terms of stuff that's happening. It's different for people like you and me, and I'll say you more explicitly than me, because I'm just kind of, you know, a goofball weekend janitor around here, and you're, you know, like an actually important journalist. But the you you want to watch this as a fan and not really have to just think about you know the 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 corporatization of the sport and when i guess you begin to see these kind of patterns in terms of why things are happening it used to be a fun thing to want to do to have the whole campus dress up in the same color and it, that's why we would announce it the week of and get people excited now it's something that is announced months in advance so that they can release a jersey that they can promote months before the game. Because if you try to sell the jersey launching it, you know, the same week that you announce it, you obviously don't have as much of a runway for doing that. So I uh, thank you, Dan, for pulling back the curtain on, on my eyes. Let's just be clear, too. The corporatization of this started way before. NIL. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is not like this is not a new foot. I mean sport i mean my you know there's a phrase i always think of my my dad is as a phrase but he always uses it's called all about the almighty buck and it's like that's what that's what drives all decisions in sports and business and anything and it and it is i mean it's just it's just reality like you said like you don't like thinking about that because like you want to just think of like the, the pageantry of college football and the game and it's all about the sport but like that's even why going back to the tennessee thing like i said i bristled a little bit at the notion that like Tennessee got off Scott Bree because like they, they got an $8 million fine. Like, I mean, it, it's going to be over 9 million. Like when, when you add in the other fines they have to pay, like that's kind of why I bristled about a little bit. Cause like, I mean, I guarantee you Tennessee cares about that. Like I'm obviously it's better than getting a postseason ban, but I guarantee you they care about being fined $9 million. And so you're right. I mean, for someone like me who like, is in the weeds of this stuff as a journalist like you you do it, it does peel back the curtain and you do kind of recognize and you become even cynical in a sense of realizing like how money drives all these different things that we do i mean i mean again just the whole point of a november night game why is that happening money because nbc made a deal then they want to get their inventory for their primetime night games. It's not going to be a big deal next year because they can play those games out in Los Angeles when USC and UCLA are in the conference. But for this year, a few Midwest schools have got to be the sacrificial lambs and play those games in cold weather. And, and Ohio State, uh, although they have said they will not do it in the future, uh, willingly became one of them this year uh, in order to help NBC fulfill that deal. And to help Tony Petiti finish the job that Kevin Warren left unfinished. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, money is absolutely, I mean, again, we talk about big 10 realignment, like money, like you think about all the many different things that happen in this sport. Money is absolutely a driving factor in a lot of it. And so, yeah, you know, while, you know, I mean, I do think there is a part of it, but it's just like naturally just like trying to build up excitement for the season. I mean, there's a reason why 
when they put out that first teaser last week, there was a big Nike logo at the top of the graphic. And that's because Nike wants them to start teasing this. Give the people their medicine, Dan. I love it. It's a startling reality, but it is one that we must all embrace as college football fans, unfortunately. Just be glad that you're a fan of a team like Ohio State that gets to you know drink in the, the, the juices of victory at the top as this, uh, you know, the money keeps coming. And they, they made the most money of any college athletic department last year that's a big reason why they have all the success that they do that's right speaking of money uh the next topic i want to speak on is uh you know been a more more money in in college athletics although not necessarily the uh the clean kind uh we've we've got you know there was there it was interesting i i was talking about this with my my dad earlier today um i i published uh for one of the weekenders uh, a while ago there was a, a the initial story of the alabama baseball betting scandal i thought that that would be a, a common interest uh college athletic story that the ohio audience would be interested in uh given the recent launch of sports betting in the state as well as the fact that the alleged activity quite literally happened at the great american sportsbook in cincinnati but there, there wasn't that much interest about it, and it made me wonder if there's still like a big um, contingent of the Ohio State audience that is kind of just resistant to gambling generally. I do think that there is kind of that sentiment among the older guard. Um, I wonder how much um, you know certain players that may have a legacy with that may have an influence on the perception of it as helpful or not, but... That is a very long-winded way of me introducing uh, the topic I actually wanted to talk about, which was a follow-up letter from the uh, NCAA relative to that Alabama betting scandal uh, that showed there have been 175 sports betting violations uh, since 2018. They more specifically in the email tried to say that, you know, they looked at I think there are 13,000 sporting events. Uh, only 0.25% are flagged for suspicious betting patterns. Now, if you do the math on that, I don't know why they you know, wouldn't just do it for you themselves. But that's probably because when you do do the math on that, that comes out to a little over 30 sporting events that are flagged for suspicious betting activity, which sounds like a lot. When you frame it as 0.25% of 13,000, that's a cute way to go about it. Uh, but, you know, the, you, you just follow the numbers there, and then you're thinking, wow, there's, there's, over, there's almost three dozen NCAA events that are being examined for being rigged for financial gain. It, that, that is unbelievable. And the fact that that's happened within the last only five years, you want to talk about a Wild West moment in sports. We're talking about NIL right now. We've got a whole different looming creature in terms of the gambling industry creeping up on the United States and how that's going to impact different you know, jurisdictions as that remains in a state-by-state case relative to the, the sports that are now in a moment where they, they kind of need federal direction in terms of how this guidance play. I think that this is a mess that even though the fact that they worded the language like that in their release tells me that they're trying to not have people panic about this, but this has the potential to become an even more serious issue than it already seems to be on the surface. Here's the reality, like it or not sports gambling's here to stay. It's, it's only, I mean, it's, it's, been legalized and i don't know how many states now but a, a very significant number over half of them to... in the united states yeah i thought it was something like that and there's gonna that number is going to continue to grow i mean I, I do think at some point it's going to be legal in all 50 states so i mean uh it, it's here to stay it's something that uh you know i think that everybody has to uh you know whether you again where you like it or not you have to accept that it does have a presence in sports and and again i mean it's kind of like we were just talking about for the whole thing. Like, let's be real. This isn't 
this is not a new problem. I mean, it, it, it has happened for a long time. I mean, you know, when we talk about the Pete Rose scandal, we talk about the, the Black Sox scandal back in the 1910s. I mean, the, this is not something that is just new now because gambling is legal in half of the U.S. states. I mean, there's, it, 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 that undercurrent has been there for a long time. And so I, I mean, you know, I, I'm not inclined to believe that this is a huge problem in sports. I mean, obviously you have to root out potential cases where a game or a player's activity in a game could be influenced by gambling activity. That is certainly something that you have to be aware of and you have to keep an eye out for. But, you know, I think, you know, in, you know, in terms of the NCAA's ruling on this, and I, I know, I think they have recently softened their stance, but like, I think some of the, some of the violations are a little silly. Like a, you know, a college football player cannot bet on an NBA game. Like that's, to me, that's stupid. Like uh, not being able to bet on a college football player, not being allowed to bet on college football makes a lot of sense. A college football player not being allowed to bet on a professional sport doesn't make any sense to me. I, it's in, one of the interesting patterns I've noticed in terms of state-by-state state jurisdiction. There are a lot of states where books will not take prop action for college basketball. So I, I think that there is from not only the um, you know the the betting public side but also from the the bookies and the the book side that there's just a general um, uncertainty around college athletics maybe more specifically basketball and obviously if you dive into the history of sports betting in this country you'll you'll see how much of an influence that uh, gambling, has has had uh in in certain eras of college basketball um so i i I think that there's already been a lot of sort of build up in terms of not only the biases that come into how gambling affects college sports but then also how older generations view the impact that college or that gambling has on sports in the United States. When I was alluding to that uh, conversation with my dad earlier today, he sent me a, uh, a statistic that I thought was interesting. Um, and it said that in comparison to individuals under 50, Americans 50 and older are more inclined to believe that legalized sports betting is harmful to society. 41% versus 27% as well as sports more specifically uh, which was like 38% versus 29%. So you had a, a, a sizable difference in both cases in terms of the older generation you know negatively just viewing the impact gambling has on people at large not just sports. Um, and I, I so I think that it, it's possible that that colors it. I do think that given we're in this Wild West moment, I'm maybe Johnny and I like to be, you know, devil's advocate conspiracy theorists on this show. And I know Dan is a guardian of truth. You must be more, more skeptical. You must exercise more skepticism than that. But I am very much the type of person that believes where there's smoke, there's fire. And so when I see that, uh, I see numbers like 175 and then I see the NCAA trying to, to mask their, their reporting with common math, which is, I mean, come on, it, it's funny that they would try to do it. They're, they're a collegiate organization and they're trying to pull math tricks on us in their press releases. Like, come on, what's going on here? You're, you're really not concerned that there's more goofy. By the way, you've now let Tennessee off the hook and you've let Alabama off the hook for this. You are not making any friends with Ohio State. Oh, friends oh, here. I, I, I don't, I don't know that I let Alabama. <laughs> off the hook. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I never said that, oh, it's okay for the baseball coach to be on the phone with some guy who's placing $100,000 bets. I would also say that if you are a sports better, 
do not be an idiot and tell the person taking your bet that you are on the phone with the coach of the team you're putting money on against. I mean, like, I just, I just want to take some of the stigma away from sports gambling because you're right. I think, especially for people of a certain generation, their consensus is that sports gambling is is bad and that like you know i know like even like anytime like we write about gambling or talk about gambling like i think back to i think it was around the nfl draft and i posted something on the the betting odds and people are like the betting odds like that means absolutely nothing and it's like again what did we talk about before money when there's money involved it means something it's it's like it's they're not just doing this the bookmakers aren't just setting lines for fun like it 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 does mean something and so like i mean i just i'm very much of the opinion that like sports gambling is here embrace it it's fun i'm not telling anybody to go out and put your life savings on on sports betting but it's fun embrace it like I, I don't I don't think it's something that we need to be afraid of. Yes, there are bad actors in the space, but that is true of so many different things. Again, I very much appreciate that sentiment and uh, sentiment, not sentiment. Uh, <laughs> again, the editor's going to kill. It's a good thing this is an audio format because if I was writing, he would Dan would be having a cow right now, but. I <laughs> Dan just mimed a, a cross out uh, for, for, <laughs> yeah. but I uh, yeah I it, it I think every, I don't want to say everything everything but you know most things in life if you are exercising moderation um, you can find a way where there's you know there's some sort of benefit to be had. Obviously, uh, gambling is is a creature. Uh, I would I would compare it to alcohol in terms of you can see how people have their fun with it. You can also see how an excessive amount of it can lead to incredibly destructive results. So you you know you're an adult, make an adult decision. I don't want to really go into it any further than that because then we'll probably start after reading disclaimers on this show. But my point <laughs> is. I, I share a similar uh, perspective and enthusiasm about it that you do. I know that we're, you know, younger than perhaps uh, some of the audience that we we cater to. Although we, you know, we 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 speak to Ohio State fans of all generations, but I um, I do think that as the world is changing, as we've you know. A, kind of alluded to with needing to embrace the realities that NIL brings to college football. So too, do we need to embrace the realities that uh, gambling brings to sports? And there are ways that we can positively influence the attitudes and perspectives about that in a way that's healthy, not just, you know, financially incentivizing for one party or the other. So we, uh, as we go forward into uh, the future, I will be aiming to do that. That's enough uh, flowery nonsense about sports betting. Before we get in to ask us anything, we want to remind you that uh, you can visit the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com to find all sorts of great t-shirts and hats and other accessories. My personal favorite is the uh, Dabo Swinney Clown t-shirt, which I'm sure Dan is a uh, former member of the Clemson Beat, has some opinions on himself. But regardless of what we think, you should definitely go get one. That's the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. Now, let's get a, into the Ask Us Anything portion of the program. Unfortunately, because Johnny isn't here this week, we've had a bit of an oversight. As I've alluded to, I, I am a bit nothing more than a janitor with a microphone around here. So I don't have access to the uh, Dubcast email account that we get all these questions from. I don't know if RealPod Wednesdays gets their same bank of questions at the same email address, and Dan can give me a backdoor into that. But if he can't, since this is just called Ask Us Anything, I'm going to ask Dan something in the realm of anything. Don't worry, it's not going to be anything too incriminating, at least not anything more incriminating than what we've already said today. But... Let me ask you, Dan, in your in your travels on, on the beat, I'm sure you've picked up so many riveting stories. I'm just curious if you can just share with us a, 
a particularly funny story that stands out from the your travels on the beat, Ohio State or otherwise, that, that stands oh, out man. in my memory? Man, there's a lot. Some of which I'm probably, uh, like you said, incriminating. Some of which I'm probably <laughs> bound by secrecy not to share. There are some that I, I, I simply cannot share. Anything that won't get you in trouble with anyone else. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, I think when you're at, you know, some of these, you know, bowl trips and stuff, there's kind of a climate of, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Some of these things, uh, not involving my own activities, but involving others that people may know uh, from uh, the o- Ohio State beat or people who have once been on the Ohio State beat. There are certainly uh, lots of stories I, I, I could sh- I, I could share, but I I. I I, I do guys say this, this is this is a really funny story. It just relates to what your uh, read on the dry goods, but I think is really funny. It, w- it was several years ago after we we put out that shirt, and one of the Clemson beat writers I know sent me a a message, and they told me that they were talking to another uh, Clemson media member who was very much a homer, and and they had told them that they lost all respect for me because we were selling that shirt which i had nothing to do with uh it is a very funny shirt but uh that that is one of my favorite stories that i've heard uh related to that because uh just the idea that a clemson media member was so offended by that shirt that they then apparently lost all respect for me. Uh, I, I mean, I think it just goes to show that you are synonymous with the 11 Warriors brand at this point, which I think is great because it, you know, it, it reinforces that this site is a, a pillar of credibility in a, in a sea of lies. We are, we are an outpost of truth because of Dan Hope, regardless of what anyone in Clemson, South Carolina would have you believe. So I, I, I really can't stress it enough. That shirt makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, I The next time Ohio State plays Clemson, I don't know when it's going to be. I didn't want to get it before they actually beat them because I didn't th- – I don't think it's appropriate to take shots at a school you haven't actually beaten. I think you need to be humble. But once, you know, Justin Fields started diming it and dropping it on their heads from, you know, 50 yards out in, in the parking lot and what have you, I, I, I think now we can, you know, wear that shirt with pride. I, I must say it is bizarre that they thought you had some sort of, you know, hand in that decision making or the design. Um, but I think maybe that perhaps speaks to the uh maybe some of the insecurities that the folks down there have about their uh, once illustrious figure that ESPN called a, a better coach all time than Urban Meyer. So I, you know, I just want to make sure that our, our Ohio State faithful are aware that the worldwide leader held that opinion at one point. And, and, uh, to, and to be clear, it was just one member of the Clemson media. I have uh, good relationships with uh, many members of, the uh the clemson media and i think that that one member uh for for more reasons than that as uh not have a great reputation these days and i'll just leave it at that uh but uh you know uh, you know you you got me thinking you're talking about that shirt like if ohio state hosts clemson like we got there's got to be a clown out right where everybody just everybody just wears that would be shirt I think it depends on the time of year. I don't know how many clown outfits you're going to see in November, but you know when it's uh, September and they're. I know they've renovated North. I'm just saying wear. I'm just saying wear a shirt. Wear a shirt. Sell some. Sell some shirts for Eleven Warriors Dry Goods. Everybody's got to buy their Dabo clown shirt. We should have had you do the read. You sold it much better than I did. Anyway, we're we're flying blind without Johnny this week. We have no idea what we're doing over here. Anyway. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. I, you know, it was a very, uh, political or politician answer, but perhaps you have a future in that, uh, given how, how guarded you, I called you a guardian of truth and you are guarding the truth for those that, uh, deserve to have it preserved. So we, uh, you know, even though you're playing it close to the chest, we know you got to do it, uh, for professional reasons. And, uh, we, we appreciate you letting us in a little bit with, uh, ask us anything. So thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, not, not too much more to talk about from here. We've appreciated your time. Uh, before we go, in case you haven't heard, there is a, uh, there has been a tuition increase.
increase. The Ohio State Board of Trustees did approve a uh, tuition increase for the seventh year in a row. Uh, they unanimously voted to uh, raise it. Uh, I believe the number now for undergraduate cost of attendance uh, increased by 3% for incoming freshmen. Um, it will cost Ohio State residents a little bit under $13,000 per year now to attend. Out-of-state residents will pay a little bit over $38,000. International students will pay $41,000, which is interesting because when I started attending 10 years ago, I believe the international tuition was substantially higher uh, than what it was for out-of-state or just domestic students. So to see that that is kind of uh, narrowed in recent years, I believe, is interesting, even though we're seeing it reported that they are raising uh, tuition for the seventh year in a row. Um, so that I don't know if, Dan, you have any thoughts on that, but I did uh, just think that was interesting to point out to our Ohio State listening audience. Again, what we were talking about before, like money, right? Like money drives <laughs> everything, right? I mean, it, it's not it's not exclusive to college sports, college in general. I mean, again, it's all driven by money and i mean i mean i think those uh increases would probably be in line with you know just inflation in general over the past year so i mean i'm i'm not a i'm not a business ex i'm not an expert on tuition and finance and all that dan so. moonlights as an economic expert on the dubcast yeah i, I wish <laughs> i mean i that's probably probably not a road i should go down because i'm definitely not an expert on tuition rates and economics and all that I, I would argue anyone with a passion for sports gambling is uh, pretty close to a, an economist so you uh, no, don't don't sell yourself short there dan at least someone that knows how to make money you got you got to build up that bankroll right george <laughs> you know how it goes dan all right so that's gonna do it for the dubcast this week uh yeah a lot of uh a lot of a lot of money topics uh you know in uh governing ncaa governing body making decisions around those so glad glad we got to have an esteemed member of of the beat of the 11 warriors brand break it down with us this week so johnny will be back uh i don't know it, it, we're not gonna have you know the 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 super important full-time guys you know interject on the the silly dub cast too often they've got a serious show to do over a real pod wednesdays but dan you are a, a true joy to have not only on the dub cast but to work with at 11 warriors and i can't thank you enough for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be here tonight so thank you very much and uh we'll be back next week uh with johnny in tow to uh, discuss more of the silly offseason as we prepare to get the ball rolling on uh, the lead into fall camp, which uh, our, our guy right here, Dan Hope, is going to be all over for this for your uh, informative pleasure, Ohio State fans. But until then, I'm George. I'm Dan. Thank you very much. Take care, folks.